I'm James P. Friel. And I'm Dean Holland. It's time to fasten your seatbelts, boys and girls. That's right. If you're an entrepreneur who's wanting to take your business to the next level and have a bit of fun while getting cutting-edge advice on your business, marketing, and sales, welcome to Just the Tips, arguably the best podcast in the entire world. I guess that's good, right? Yeah, sounds good to me. All right. That was easy. That was the easiest thing we did all day. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Just the Tips. This is your host, James P. Friel. I am thrilled that you guys are here with us today. We have a very special uh, guest who will be joining us in just a few minutes. But I notice him dismounting the white noble steed, just arriving into the studio. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome the one, the only bearded wonder from the United Kingdom, Mr. Dean Holland. The white noble steed. <laughs> hey, so just quick, I don't know if it's just me. I just hear the audio, the intro looping. Is that just me? I don't hear it. I don't know what's going on. Anyway, my sound's going all strange. I don't know what's happening. <laughs> I hear I hear the uh, audio coming through your speakers. Okay, how about... Is that any better? I don't know. Good. Anyway, are we here? Are, we're, you, we're here. are you streaming us while we're, while we're doing the show? Like you can't get enough? Oh, I think so. There we go. I, I want to feature on the show and hear it at the same time. <laughs> You're a junkie, man. You're a Just the Tips junkie. That's how it goes. Oh my gosh. But how are you doing, my friend? Anyway, good to be back. Yeah, good <laughs> to see you, man. It's been a bit rusty, can't we? <laughs> well, we uh we finally uh we finally moved into our new house. So trying to get everything oh. set up and all that. I hope it sounds okay. Um Yeah, no, congratulations on moving home. And I think you've just had a vacation as well, right? Turns out I didn't go on vacation because I got COVID. Oh, well, we haven't spoken, so I just assumed you were away. Yeah, no, I uh, unfortunately was not on vacation and uh, oh. wasn't really having a great time either. Oh, no way. Oh, yeah. sorry to hear that. <laughs> yeah, I'm uh, I'm doing a lot better now, thank God. But Yeah, uh, <laughs> no, I had no idea. Oh, didn't didn't expect you to say that. I was, I was just about to ask for all the stories of, uh, of the vacation. Yeah, so the stories were basically I slept a lot and I watched some movies. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I don't think, I don't think there's anything extraordinary or exciting to report back. Right. Um, but you but did that in your new home. I least. did do that in the new home. Yeah. Well, there we go. It's not all bad. You know, no, you, it's, you, you lounged around the new house. Exactly. We had, uh, just, yeah, pretty, uh, pretty chill week. And, um, yeah, here we are today, man. Yeah. We're back. We're back. We're back. <laughs> yeah. Well, Geez, well, we're certainly not going to have as many stories as I was anticipating. Then, just uh, you might just have you. to make you might, you might have to make one or two up. With <laughs> <Right. laughs> my dull life stuck here in the UK. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Sounds about ne- as exciting as you getting COVID. <laughs> well, you know, you're never leaving the that island, right? Like that's it for forever. Now, it, it it would seem so. It would seem that that is it. Now, this is this is me. You will only ever see me on on video. Now, that's it. That's a relief, actually. I was a little bit nervous that if they open things up, like you might wind up on my doorstep and then I'd feel bad and I'd have to take you in. And, you know, <laughs> just left in a little basket on the doorstep by somebody. And just- <laughs> yeah, that's right. A little basket with a horse. Yes. Yes, of course. Yes. Naturally. naturally. Yeah. So um, so we've got uh, we've got a guest who's joining us in a little while. We're doing things a little bit different today. Um and uh and 
what he's going to come and talk about is actually his new book, yeah. The uh, Common Path to Uncommon Success. Yes, intriguing. Yeah, I'm I'm very excited to have him on. Should we tell people who it is or should we uh, hold them in suspense? Well, well everybody's rushing off to Amazon now to find out anyway. So I suppose we uh, we might as well just reveal all. Yeah, all right. Well, I'll let you do it. Go ahead. Well, it's none other than JLD, as some in the know would say. That would be John Lee Dumas of That's Entrepreneur right. on Fire coming to talk about his new book, which is uh, pretty exciting. And maybe we'll even uh, get some tips on on the podcast side of things. Who knows? Yeah, he'll be like, just quit. Quit right now. Don't even continue. <laughs> you look like crap. You sound like crap. You've got all the makings of a bad show. Just stop. <laughs> <laughs> you guys don't even like each other. Why do you do this? <laughs> yeah, we don't know. We're not sure. We're not sure why we're continuing. I think it has a lot to do with um, Doug, to be yes, honest. Right, yes. our producer, Doug? Definitely all about Doug. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, no, he'll come on. He'll share, uh, share about his, uh, his new book. Um, but you know, I'm thinking, I'm not exactly sure what, uh, yeah, see, we got comments here in our private chat. Blame it on Doug. We a hundred percent agree. <laughs> Doug is absolutely to blame and, uh, we're happy to do so liberally. <laughs> so I've never met Doug in person, but I'm all, I'm fairly confident. He's the reason I got COVID. Quite probable. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Many people. I, I think it's the reason I've never met my real dad. Right. <laughs> because of Doug. Because of Doug. Yeah. Yeah. Just that yeah. right. Because of Doug. Yeah. The uh, the the this whole Delta variant second wave that's going on. Um, I have it on good authority is also because of Doug. <laughs> He's running the sound engineer from a little office in Wuhan. Right. Yeah. Second. <laughs> That's right. Um, but in all seriousness, um, I'm, in, I'm excited to hear what uh, JLD has to share. Um, but the title of today's show, The Common Path to Uncommon Success, you know, I, th- I can think of a handful of things that um, I feel like are very ordinary, but most people don't do them. And that's why they produce extraordinary results. And so I'm not mm-hmm. sure where... Uh, where he's going to take the conversation and and everything once he uh, once he joins us. However, from my perspective, I think one of the biggest reasons, one of the most common things that causes uncommon success, is actually just not giving up, right? right. Like sticking with something and saying, you know what, I'm here. I'm going to continue this for the long haul, and um, and not giving in. You know, it's it's easy to give up and uh, you know, there's going to be all sorts of things in your personal journey and your business journey and everything else that will cause you to want to give up. Like, you know, having a producer like Doug or a co-host like Dean <laughs> or whatever it is, you got to persist. Um, but I, I um, I'm curious your take on that because I think that's probably one of the most common things that leads to uncommon success. Mm, yeah, no, I absolutely agree. And I think, uh, you know, when I look over the last, what, like, oh, geez, like 17 years since I first began this whole, like, oh, let's figure this internet thing out that I just discovered. Um, I think it, it it's absolutely yes, like you say. But I think I think as well, it's it's building that thick skin, like a, almost like an armor of being able to being able to go through the setbacks, the knockbacks to keep going, like you said, to not give up. You know, I do think it takes, a, you know, a particular strength. You know, we're talking mental strength here, not physical, you know, literally a mental strength 
to pursue something that you believe in. And even when that thing doesn't work out when you thought it would, as soon as you would, as big as it would, is to still have the capacity, the strength to keep going. As long as you still truly, you know, there's a right time to give up sometimes. But just in the context of this, you know, if you stand behind that thing, believe in that thing, it's probably in most people's case, the common path to me is that you're going to fail. You're going to make mistakes. You don't know what you don't know. You're going to screw things up somehow, some way. And you're going to feel like you let yourself down along the way. You're going to feel like maybe you're not good enough. But it's it's to be able to take that and say, well, no, that's just how I feel. It's how many people feel. I'm going to keep going, you know. And I think in my experiences, you know, I would have much more faith. If I was to look at a coach, I would have much more faith in being coached by somebody that has experienced failure on their way to success. You know, I, I would I would fear, you know, this unicorn person that's never made a mistake or it didn't go wrong for them. They just hit the thing and it won right out the gate because to me, that's not normal. You know, the common path as, as the title here we're talking about, like for me, that's one of the common things on the on the path to success is making like you are going to fail, but you've got to keep going just like you said. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think I know anybody who is truly successful in some, and on some level who hasn't failed repeatedly. Right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's even, what do they say? I see statistics thrown around like the average billionaire has gone bankrupt six times or something crazy like that, whatever, whatever the statistic is, it's out there somewhere. And, you know, and I, and I love to look at stuff like that because it does, you know, we, we all can be very, become very isolated and alone in this entrepreneurial journey a lot of times, which is, you know, why we do stuff like this. Um, but I think, you know, what we have to realize is when we go out and read these stories is to know that you're not alone in those, in those struggles, to know that when, when these things are happening to you and you feel alone and isolated and you, you scroll Facebook and it looks like everyone's got this wonderful life and you don't feel the same, you know, is to understand that actually everybody's going through something. You know, and a lot of people when they're starting up and even when they're successful, they have so many struggles. But all you generally tend to see is that somebody that's achieved a certain level of success, however you deem that, and it looks like everything always goes smooth for them. It's just that they've adapted the ability and adopted the ability to just know that setbacks and knockbacks and struggles and mishaps, mistakes, they're going to come throw it, being thrown at you every day. Right. I remember, uh, I know we go back to it and refer to it a lot, but when we had our friends Brandon and Kaylin on, you know, and I think they they said it, you know, everyone can look on the outside in and it looks amazing, but there are struggles and there are things happening every day. It's just, you know, they just deal with it now. And I think that's it. It's growing in your capacity to deal with these things, isn't it? Have you, you said setbacks and nutbacks? Is that, am I <laughs> hearing you? Knockbacks. <laughs> What's a knockback? Knock, as in knock, a knockback. Oh, a knockback. Is that, is that an English thing? A UK thing? I don't know. I'll have to double check with Doug whether that's a real thing <laughs> that you're allowed to say. You're getting knocked back, you know. Like, knock back. Okay. I feel like I just got a knock back. Now. now I'm thinking, hang on, did I just make that up? First like, I thought you were saying nutbacks. <laughs> I was like, what the hell is a nutback? <laughs> I think I'd like to know. Actually, I don't think I would like to know. <laughs> no, I wouldn't. No, I wouldn't. I'm not gonna search Google for that word. <laughs> so so I got so I have a question for you. If, if everybody, if it's sort of common knowledge and wisdom that you're going to fail and that there's going to be knockbacks along <laughs> the way, um, what, why do you think some people throw in the towel? If you already know that things aren't always going to work out and you already know that 
you're going to have these setbacks and you're going to have these failures and things aren't going to go according to plan. Like, you know that. And it's, and it's unlikely that you're meeting anybody who's achieving anything significant who hasn't had that experience. Why do people give up still? Ooh, it's a good question. Um, I would say there's going to be a few reasons. I would say one of them is I don't think people are, although they might understand the, oh yeah, everybody tells me that it's going to be hard and you know, you're going to fail and you're going to make mistakes and that's okay. I'm okay with that. You know, I think you're probably naive to how tough things can get when you first begin. You know, it's one thing to say, oh yeah, you're going to, you know, you're going to make mistakes and that's okay. You know, just keep going. But it's another to actually experience it. Right. You know, it's another one to have like, you know, your worst fears come true. If you know, if you're, I think a lot of times people will go into business with some sort of fear, like, oh, I hope I, hope I don't let myself down or I hope I don't let my family down or I hope I do well, or I'm going to, you know, do my best at this, you know, and it's in, it's in the same way. I imagine say like an Olympian, they've trained for four years and they know they might not win the race. That's a very real chance. There's another 10 runners or whatever, but they're aiming to win and their expectation is to win, but they understand there's a risk of not winning, but they're going to give it their all and train. And, and you go to set off out the running gates and some silly mishap happens and you, you fall and, and that's it. Game over on the first 10 paces of the, of the lap. I imagine like that is how you feel sometimes when you struggle in business. Like the way that that person feels right there. It's like I gave it my all. I put everything in and something so silly just brought me to my knees. You know, that's how I've certainly felt sometimes. And I don't think you can really be prepared for that. Like, I don't mm. I don't think I don't think. To me, I think you've got to experience it. And sadly, I don't think everybody can handle that when it happens, when it occurs. And I think they, they, you know, it almost brings to the surface, I would say, and this could get quite deep. But I think when people sometimes have failures and setbacks, I think it brings mm-hmm. to the surface a lot of their own internal fears and, and doubts and self-limiting beliefs and struggles. So it kind of just boils to the top. And it's almost like, They've just confirmed everything everyone's always said. And I just better hide now and run back to safety almost. That, that, mm-hmm. That's sort of my, my feelings on it. I don't know. What about, what about you? Well, I guess, I guess for me, I, I completely agree with that. The problem that I have is that if you give up, eventually you're going you're gonna to want to know like, well, what would, I, what, would it, what would I be doing now if I hadn't given up? Hmm. Right. I think yeah. that would that's that's the that would be the problem for me is saying, okay, well, I'm gonna throw in the towel, forget about this. And you know, after the pressure dies down and after the, you know, the sort of like visceral feeling of, you know, falling on your face goes away and you're starting to, you know, feel good again. Yeah. Then what? Then you're gonna be like, Oh, I'm not I'm not gonna try for what I want, like because it's like I don't I don't know how to live in that world I guess where hmm. I'm willfully not going to pursue what's important to me. Right. And it, it feels harder to me to give up because I don't know what else I would do. Right. And I, and I would be in line with you like I when you ask that question I have to imagine like well why why might they? Cuz I I can't understand why somebody would quit. You know, me and you we've both done this a long time and Gosh knows, I'm sure we've both had many times where people would quit, people would give up at this moment, but we kept going. And I think um, I think there's another side to this. I think you have to have a bigger purpose as to why you're doing it anyway. You know, I think if people get into entrepreneurship for the wrong reasons, and that's all they have is those wrong reasons, that at some point you're going to realize that those reasons weren't enough. 
you know, for me, when I got started, you know, initially, I just wanted to make a bit of extra money. There was no mm-hmm. real purpose behind that. I was just young, young guy, early 20s, low minimum wage job, not living life how I want. I'd love to go on vacation a few times with my friends. So I wanted to make a bit of extra money. But soon enough, you get to a point where you solve the money problem and you now realize like, huh, I'm I'm not driven by this now. Like this doesn't actually make me feel any different. I'm I'm glad I have more money and that solved some problems, but there now has to be something else. Mm-hmm. You know, there's got to be a bigger reason that I'm going to do this work and put these hours in. And I think sometimes people maybe uh maybe they 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 lack or they haven't taken the time to really get clear on why they're doing what they're trying to do. Mm. I think that could be a contributor perhaps. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting. I I could see I can see that. I think I think for me the the maybe not so sexy truth is I don't I just don't know what else I would do with my time. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like I really don't know what else I would do with myself. You mean spending it with me just isn't enough for you? Well, no, it's not. <laughs> just a bit blunt. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I think if I were if I were going to say okay, you know what I'm I'm going to give up on uh, on on my own companies and I'm going to give up on building things and creating things and all these other things. I literally just don't know what I would spend my time doing. Right. Yeah. And, no, that's and, true. I'd- and, and for me, that's, I think that's the, the, the weird motivation is like, well, I, you can do a whole bunch of different things that you want to do. If you're not doing what you truly want to do, then just do what you truly want to do anyway. And, and then there's not really that, feeling of like, oh, I'm going to give up on this. Well, like, why would I give up on doing the thing that's really what I want to be spending my time doing? Right. Yeah, no, I think you make a great point. And that's a it's a wonderful position to be in, though, isn't it? And I think maybe, like, maybe there's something in that as well, that people get so far down a path and they actually realize maybe it's not necessarily they're giving up because of a lot of the reasons maybe I've said or not having the strength or the the armor and whatever. Maybe they realize, like, a lot of times, like, this isn't actually what I enjoy. That could be, you know, there could be a very real thing in that. Somebody's chased something for so long and, you know, pursued it that actually when they end up there or they, they, they encounter these hard times and struggles, actually they realize this isn't, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. This isn't what I enjoy actually. You know, maybe there's a, maybe there's a change and a shift that happens there. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I think, I think that maybe that's, uh, you know, I'm, I'm speculating about what's in John's book here. Right. But I have to imagine there is an element of persistence and perseverance and sticking with what um what you want to be doing. Mm. Yeah, you know, I, I think I think as as we're talking about this as well, I feel like there's a lot of emphasis that many people have um on you know creating success and creating their own businesses and all these different things that are like very external, right? It's like, Oh, like I want to make more money or I want to have time or I want to have these things or whatever. Um, but all that, all that stuff is the stuff that like, if you're judging your success by it, then you have things that could be taken away from you and all this other stuff. Whereas I think if you're, if your motivation is like, I'm, doing what I want to do. It might not always work. In fact, sometimes it might be a, an abysmal failure, but I'm doing what I want to do, right? Like that you, you brought up the whole, you know, relay race Olympics thing. 
I don't, I don't really think many of those athletes are solely motivated by winning a gold medal. Right. I, I think it's a, Hey, it's cool that I won the gold medal or, you know, whatever. I, I mean, you, and you hear them. Um, I was in, um, meeting a couple weeks ago where this woman who won more medals than any other U S athlete like ever came and spoke to us. Um, and she was a gymnast and she was talking about how, you know, it was great to win the medals, but it really wasn't about that for her. She just had this drive to be a great gymnast. She's like, that's what I wanted to do. And so, you know, you, you don't win, you fail, you fall on your face and all this other stuff. I think it makes it way easier to keep going because you're doing, you're doing what you want to be doing, not just pursuing something that you hope has some external gratification. Yeah, no, I think you, uh, I think you make a great point. And, uh, that is that, that, what do they say? You know, if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. You know, yeah. and I think, I think to some degree that's true. And I, I know, uh, you know, also something that you said, I think it was like a, it was like one of those meme images <clears throat> to me that you shared on, uh, many, many, many shows back. Actually, it was something along the lines of, uh, you know, it's like, everything's hard, you know, doing this is hard, but doing this is hard. Choose your hard. Yeah. You remember that you, you yeah. were sort of sharing that. And I think, yeah. you know, ultimately, you know, that's, that's one thing that I think we all have to remember is like everything worthwhile has some level of difficulty or toughness to it. You know, it, it is, uh, you know, starting your business and running a business, growing a business successfully is hard work. It's tough. Yeah. You know? And anybody that tells you different, I'm sure they've got an ulterior motive, an agenda to it. Maybe they're trying to sell you some, you know, $10 push button <laughs> software thing that will apparently, you know, make your life rich and all this sort of stuff. By the time you wake up tomorrow, of course, they're going to tell you it's easy, right? Yeah. Because they've got an agenda to it. But what we all just have to always remind ourselves is like, this is not typically supposed to be easy. You know, it's the reason that most of society is not trying to do what we are trying to do as entrepreneurs and business owners. Yeah, absolutely. So, All right. I see, I see our guest is here. Um, pretty excited to add him to uh, the conversation. JLD, what's going on, my friend? How are you, man? James and Dean, thank you both for having me. I'm sorry I'm a couple minutes late, but I'll stay a couple minutes longer to make up for it. All right. I love it. So, so we're here speculating what the common path to uncommon success is. And one of the things we were just talking about was just a level of persistence. I feel like persistence and perseverance are things that every successful entrepreneur or business owner I know, it's like, it doesn't seem like it takes a tremendous amount of talent to be persistent. You just have to stick with it. But we uh we're excited to hear what's in the book itself instead of us speculating what's <laughs> in the book. So thanks for being here, man. Well, you can end your speculation anytime you want by going to Amazon.com, ordering the book, being <laughs> cover to cover, leaving a five-star review. And like speaking of five star hold on. Speaking of five-star reviews, this guy knows what he's doing. Hold on. I went here earlier. 492 five-star reviews 500. so you guys should give me up to five nine four ninety five come on we'll get we'll happen. get you there brother we'll get you there so so seriously tell tell us about the book um but before you get into some of the details i'm curious what inspired you to write this book like why this one so for 10 years i've been interviewing the world's most successful entrepreneurs and i've been a mentee to their genius i've been learning every step of the way and I've been very fortunate to identify that the road to very much uncommon success, which they've all achieved, 
is a very common one. It's a very straightforward, similar one. Don't mind my, my dog, Gus, behind me. He's, he's having a blast. Um, but it's a very common path to, to success that these, these individuals that I've interviewed over the years have, have followed. And I just at one point said, you know what? I'm getting questions every day from my amazing audience, but they're all the same questions. They're all based around the same stuff. I can't answer them all individually, independently, but why not just sit down, take the genius, not from here, but from here, the 3,000 interviews that I've done over the past decade, and put them into a roadmap that people can follow to achieve their version of uncommon success. And that's what I did. And it sounds like, hey, that's a good idea. Well, it was eight months of blood, sweat, tears, of just ripping my hair out, <laughs> trying to uh, to write a book, which is, is a very painful process. And it took me 480 hours to write the 70,000 words that now comprise the book. And now, finally, that is done and out there. When I get those email questions every day, I can just do my little QQQ on my on my keyboard and get a text expander message that says, "Buy the damn book." That's <laughs> so, on some level, you like you wrote it so that you could get leverage on your time again. You're like, "Wait a second, I'm answering the same questions over and over. Let's package this thing up, serve a lot more people." So, so share share some of the stuff that is. You know, I know there's like 17 or something like that in there. What are some of the ones that you think our audience needs to hear today? So let's just start at number 17 because this is <laughs> All right. such an important step that not everybody's going to get to in their life because you've got to do the first 16 steps correctly first. So it's important, you know, to go on a step by step chronological process. But so many people, and I'm sure you, James, and Dean have both seen this as well, they'll do all the right things. They'll build the right business. They'll bust their butt. They'll, they'll have that success. But then at some point, they'll have to just be honest and they'll, they'll say, wait a second, I've done all the things. Where's the money? Where's right. the bank accounts that's supposed to be high, not empty or low? And that's why chapter 17 is keep the money you make. Because after I teach you how to make the money, mm-hmm. which is what the first 16 chapters do... Now I want to teach you how to keep the money you make, which is unfortunately what most people never, ever learn how to do. And it's been a focal point of mine because in 2014 and 2015, where I made multiple millions of dollars both years, and I looked at my bank account and said, well, after I wrote that second second seven-figure check to the government, where's all the money? Um, Expenses, ads, payroll, all the jazz. It wasn't there. And I'm like... If I'm living here in an apartment in San Diego, like with a, a handful of people working for me, making millions of dollars a year, and I can't even figure out where the money is, how can anybody? So that was kind mm-hmm. of my lifelong journey from that point going forward of saying, how can I actually keep the money that I make as a human being, as an entrepreneur, as a businessman? And that's been my focal point because one thing that I do know very clearly being in corporate finance and just really being into financials and investing my whole life is money makes money. And how much better is it when your money is making money than when you are the only way that can make money in your life? It's way better. It's way better. Right now, I'm talking to you guys and I'm getting a couple $97 sales for Podcasters Paradise today and somebody's buying some sponsorships on my, sh- on my, on my, um, show, whatever. But you know, my cryptocurrency is up $330,000. Like that's my money making money. 
And right. like, that's the game that we all want to get to, but you can never get to that until you have money and you can't have money until you keep the money that you're actually making. It's true. I, I know, uh, I'm sure the same is true for you, Dean. I, I can't name one entrepreneur who's got a reasonable level of success who hasn't had that epiphany at some point. Like, wait a <laughs> Usually because here. of a disaster, just like John, you were just saying. Usually it comes when you're like, hang on, we look like we did really well, but where is it? Where's the money? <laughs> Show me the money. Yeah. 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 Quick, a good question. Where is it then? Jellyfish behind you, Dean. <laughs> These are real. Yes. Yeah. They are not. Do not be fooled. This is an ongoing joke on the show. His artificial jellyfish tank is one of my favorite things about his whole backdrop. <laughs> it gets attention, you know. I love that. Did you just get that on Amazon? I'm going to order it right now. <laughs> yeah, I think it was from Amazon. Yeah. Oh, amazing. Beautiful. <laughs> it changes yeah. colors and everything. Oh. We'll send we'll send you your own along with a along with one of our Just the Tips t-shirts. Okay. Well, you do that. I'll, I'll wear that shirt. All right. Absolutely. 100% with the artificial jellyfish tank in the background. So, um, so listen, so, all right. So that's step 17 is keeping more of what you make. What's step one for those people that are out there that are like, I don't, I don't know where to begin. Where do they start? They don't know where to begin because step one, chapter one is your big idea. Your big idea. You need to have your big idea to start anything. And that is just an absolute critical step in the process that so few people have. And the ones, by the way, James, the people, the people that are that are like, oh, I have my big idea. Yeah, you may want to check out chapter one because your big idea is probably a great idea, but it needs a strong dose of chapter two, which is discovering the niche within your idea that is not currently being identified and leveraged. And that's where you start your process. Yeah, absolutely. Dean, you and I have talked about this a bunch. Yes. Yeah. We, in fact, we've, I think we've had uh, many topics on the show over the years, haven't we, around the concept of like a, a, the big idea, you know, and, and, and the whole thing uh, in line with that. And I, I do think, actually, I, I think you, you, you said it perfectly, John, is that oftentimes I think we do think that we've got the big idea and we think that's the thing. And this is, the, I've got it all so clear. And more often than not, when we start pursuing those things, it turns out, no, I don't think we've quite hit the, uh, hit the nail on the head with this one. I don't think this was the idea. I need to go into this more, unpack this more. Well, I feel, I feel sometimes like a lot of people, and I'm sure I've been guilty of this too, where you fall in love with the idea instead of bringing that idea to life and to reality. Um, one of the, one of my favorite quotes is Mike Tyson, who said, you know, everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the face. (laughs) I feel like bringing your big idea and discovering the niche and doing all those things. Um, has a certain level of that's where the rubber meets the road, isn't it? Listen, that's where the rubber meets the road. I love that quote by Mike Tyson. Everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the face. But listen, if your big idea doesn't have a very meaningful niche within it that's being underserved right now, you're just going up against entrenched competition that's going to smack and beat you down because that's what they do. They're there waiting for people like you to say, I've got this great idea. They're like, awesome. We had that great idea five years ago. And now we have 150 people working for us and you know a $10,000 a day ad spend. We're going to destroy you. And they will. But guess what? There's something they're not doing well. There's something within the big idea that you have that's an opportunity that you can go all in on and win at a really big level. 
Absolutely. I think that's, I think that's so important for people to hear because I think there's a level of like discouragement that can sort of set in when you have what you think is this great idea. And then you go out and you see somebody else doing it and you're like, ah, that's it. Like, that's the end. I guess my idea wasn't so good. And it's like, wait a second, there's, there's so much opportunity, right? Opportunity continues to expand. Um, so I love, I love that, uh, philosophy. What, uh, what do you think? Well, before, or something- before you, before you go on, I just want to say thank you to hummingbird who just dropped the <laughs> link. And I just want to clarify that I am an action taker. I have already <laughs> yes. in the last two minutes from that link. It's coming. <laughs> it's going to be delivered to my house in five days <laughs> on that table right there for maybe the rest of my life. Perfect. You you will forever remember this day. I like we've anchored in we've anchored ourselves into your life in a way that no one could have predicted. You had no idea you were going to be indoctrinated into such an elite club <laughs> as the artificial jellyfish tank owners club today. <laughs> it's actually me that sells those tanks. That's my store on Amazon. <laughs> I'm even thinking about getting, you know, a random picture of a of a plane behind me too. I mean, who knows? You never know what's gonna happen. <laughs> There's actually a story behind this, but for right now, it does look pretty random. So, um, well, now that, you know, I, I, well, is there anything in your book about action taking? Because like what you just did here, a lot of people will be like, oh, that's cool. Like, let me go order that later. You took decisive action with all the thousands and thousands of people that you've had on your show. I imagine that taking fast action and decisive action is probably one of the things those people have in common. And, you know, action that doesn't work out most of the time, but being okay with that. Like that's where a lot of people, they just kind of sit and they wait and they say, you know, when all the stoplights are green, that's when I'll go. When I see every single step of the staircase, that's when I'll start my ascent. But, you know, for me, I love that Martin Luther King quote, which is, you don't have to see the whole staircase to take the first step. And like, that's what people need to remember is that oftentimes that second step is not going to reveal itself until you take step number one. Like it's like a fog clearing as you get closer to it. So you just need to have that understanding, move forward with the knowledge that, you know, I'm going to be action oriented. I'm going to have a bias towards action because listen, we talk on my income reports, which we've now published 95 months in a row of, of all of the ways that we're making money. But like, of like those 10 ways last month that made us like $280,000, there was 180 things last month that we had started at some point that didn't work, that failed, that we dropped. But then guess what? We learned from it. We moved on and we launched something later on, maybe four or five or 10 or 20 iterations later that became one of our big revenue streams just by being action oriented. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's awesome. This is actually what we were talking about before you uh, before you joined the show, John. We were talking about this this factor of what makes people give up sometimes. You know, like you just said there. You know, you yourself, you've had as 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 everyone that we talk to, many many failed attempts before they found the thing, the the thing that really worked, the thing that blew up. And uh, I'm interested, actually, if you don't mind, as asking you the question we were asking each other is, why do you think people, when they encounter those setbacks and things don't work out, why do you think sometimes people do just give up? Because they're human beings. And as humans, we want to do one of three things. We either want to seek pleasure, avoid pain, or conserve energy. We're always doing one or two, sometimes all three of those things at once, but at least one of those things. And so 
hey, it was painful to fail. I want to avoid that pain. Hey, it took a lot of energy to try that that didn't work. I want to conserve energy. Mm. So two of those three things really try to hold you back. Because yeah, you're, you are seeking pleasure when you launch something, but that's just one of your three major drivers that you have in your life. And when you are seeking pleasure, you try something and then it flops on its face. It's painful. There's a lot of energy that was potentially wasted. Now, that's if you look at it that way. And that's why people, human beings, struggle with taking action, putting themselves out there. They do not want to fail. They don't want to feel pain. They want to conserve energy. And watching another episode of Netflix is easy. True. Yeah. Do you yeah, feel well, like that was uh, a better response you, than you and I came up with together, wasn't it, James? <laughs> do, you feel, do you feel like at some point you just sort of develop a thicker skin and that becomes easier? Or do you think that you just are like, okay, this is part of the game and I get it and I have to keep going? You realize it's part of the game. And that's really where chapters five and six come in with the book where I teach you, number one, how to find and hire your perfect mentor. And then step six, chapter six, how to find and or create your perfect mastermind to surround yourself with the right people. Because if you're not, it's a very lonely game and you will let yourself quit. Like right now, I'm on day two of a 10-day water fast. Like I am in. And just for people that are out there, that means nothing is going in my mouth for 10 days that is not water. So water is the only, let me rephrase that. The only thing going in my mouth for the next 10 days is water, nothing else. If I was left to my own to do that, I would fail because I got a fridge right there. <laughs> I've got a cupboard full of crunchy things that I want to be snacking on right now. But guess what? I'm in a fasting group of seven people and we're all in constant communication. We're all rooting each other on. And because of that accountability, I'm going to get to day 10, barring just you know some unforeseen incidents, and it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And that's the power of community. That's awesome. Is this your, uh, just out of interest, is this your first time doing this or you've done it before? It's my second time. My first second. time was May 8th to May 18th. And it was actually at a fasting center in California. Wow. So, um, I did it like professionally observed the first time. And so I, cut, so I do like, I know what I'm doing. And uh, this, is, this is round two. Wow. Yeah, I did it. Uh, I've only ever done one once and I did it for five days. And uh, yeah, I, I didn't really know what I was doing. I know I didn't consume enough water because I got intense headaches. Yeah, when I you're was dehydrated. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, but uh, yeah, interesting. Well, there you go. So if you can, uh, you know, if you can surround yourself with people who are on, like on the level that can support you like that mm. makes makes such a huge difference, right? It's the old Jim Rohn quote, right? You become the average of the five people that you hang around with the most. That's it. You're hanging around with people who are committed to the water fast. And it's like, you don't want to be the weird one who's like, oh, I'm eating cookies over here. Nope. Right? Like that's, that would not be cool. So, um, so listen, man, I know you got, uh, you're on tour right now promoting the book. We appreciate you spending some time with us today. Um, for those of you guys who are listening, uh, truly, you do not get 500 five-star reviews on Amazon without creating something epic. Hard work. Hard work, blood, sweat, tears. This is the second water fast that this guy has done to bring this into the world for you guys. Uh, make sure you go to Amazon, The Common Path to Uncommon Success. 
A Roadmap to Financial Freedom and Fulfillment by none other than Mr. John Lee Dumas. Anything you want to share with us? Yep. All right. There you go. We're in. Fast action. Done. We're in. JLD, any parting shots? Yeah. Buy the book. Read the book, Dean. But then also give me a review afterwards. You got it. You got it. Expect it done. Thank you for the jellyfish, for the time. And I'll catch you guys on the flip side. Sounds good, brother. Good luck, man. Talk to you soon. All right. I think with all the people we've had on the show, he is the first who's bought the artificial jellyfish tank. This is true. But it's not the first time it's been mentioned. So I really do need to start finding out where to wholesale <laughs> these things. I would love <laughs> for that to be your jellyfish. And it's just like my face on all the jellyfish swimming around the tank. Just these little bearded jellyfish. We should get just the tips jellyfish tank. And it's just me and you just swarming around. I don't want to be, it's just you on your own. Like, I don't want anything to do with it. You say that now on the show, but you'll message me after and be like, please make sure I'm included in the fish tank. (laughs) I do not want to be in a fish tank with you. Thank you for the, uh, the strange offer. Um, I thought that was, uh, I thought that was really good. I mean, you know, the, uh, the idea that most entrepreneurs are not keeping the money that they make, mm. boy, I don't think that gets talked about often enough. Oh, I was going to say this. I was going to say, I'm so glad to hear that that sort of subject has been put into this book. Um, you know, because I think a lot of people, you know, it is it is easy to talk about, oh, you know, I've achieved financial success. Here's how I did it. Or, you know, a ton of people have and I've interviewed them. Here's how they did it. But so many people do miss these critical parts. And I think it's not the... Uh, it's not the sexy, attractive things, is it, to talk about, you know, understanding how to keep your money. It's, it's in the same bracket as almost like what people view as conversations around taxes or, or things like this. It seems to be one of those things, yet out of, out of all the things, and I'll be the first to say, I only think in the last three, two or three years has the importance of this point uh, really hit home. You know, I've, I've, I've gone from like this small, well, like this smallish, relatively successful home-based business to now having all these extra expenses in my in my companies and you know through the offices the team that I've grown and it's only through doing those things that I'm now really starting to see like oh this isn't a this isn't always a game about revenue <laughs> this isn't about that number that I've always thought looks so cool and big and nice this is about what's left after everything else has gone and you know it's a real uh, I think it's a turning point that probably I, I would imagine would you think it happens to probably most people once they goes past a certain stage in business, that does become probably one of, if not the most important conversation. I think it is. I think um, I think I, I was very fortunate earlier on in my career to have mm-hmm. had a mentor who just honestly, he didn't give a shit about your revenue number. Right. He's like, I'm looking at your profits and your cash and how much you're keeping. He's like, you can't, you know, you don't... Um, it it just doesn't matter right and and it's and it's a great a great way to track growth right but if you're you know if your revenue's growing but your expenses are continuing to grow along with it and you're not keeping as much as you're making that means you're becoming less efficient right with your productivity right like productivity right. is you know how much you know time resource energy all that other stuff that we put out there do we turn into something that we actually keep um, that produces an end result? And, uh, and so I think that I sort of, I sort of got lucky um, 
you know, I obviously I found a great mentor and listened to what he had to say. So there was no luck in that. That was just a decision. But I do feel like I got very lucky on some level that I didn't spend as much time in that sales and revenue mm. trap as a lot of people do. Um, but yeah, see, I was the complete opposite. I, I I feel like I was dropped straight into the middle of the murky world and murky waters of the make money online crowds. And, uh, you know, it, it's largely fueled off of those numbers, isn't it? Like, oh, I make all this money and look at the life I live. And, you know, nobody's really addressing that in, in those circles. Unfortunately, that's where, uh, you know, that's where I was for many, many years. And so that's, I never, never heard conversations like this. Never. Mm. Yeah, it's easy. It's easy to stay there because that's what gets celebrated in a lot of these circles. Mm. Which I suppose this this links into as well. Another another point that that John made that obviously is featured in the book is in in terms of like the master, like who you're surrounding yourself with. You know, look, look at you and I both here now. I mean, we you know, we're both sitting here now. Successful businesses by whatever measure you're keeping. But look at the look at the knowledge you have. And how that differs from the knowledge that I was able to get access to. Why? We both had a different starting point, just surrounded mm. by different people. You know, yeah. and I, I've seen I've seen numerous instances of this, to be honest. I've sometimes looked at people and thought, like, wow, I wish, you know, I wish I understood the things you understood right from the beginning. You know, and I've seen and it and it always comes down to like, well, who who did they learn from from the beginning? Who were the people they surrounded themselves with? So I think that together is is a really important part in putting yourself around the right people to get that right knowledge from the from as early as you possibly can. Yeah, absolutely. And and to, you know, to kind of talk about one of the fastest, easiest, most cost-effective ways to do that, read great books who are written by people who know what they're talking about. Yes. You know, one of like the cheapest ways of getting into any person's brain. I mean, I I actually think books are one of the most underutilized things especially when people you know a lot of people will say well i i can't afford a mentor or a coach or to join some high-end mastermind well well guess what you can literally learn from some of the brightest smartest people on walking the planet for like ten dollars or something silly yeah absolutely i mean it's what uh it's it's definitely how i started i couldn't i couldn't afford my tuna and ramen you know right. at one point and I was like, all right, well, there's no way I'm paying, you know, 10, 20, 30, $40,000 for a mentor at that stage. I can't, like, I can't even afford to eat barely. Right. But right. the question isn't, well, I, all right, well, I can't afford that. So I guess I'm not going to do anything. Question is, well, what can I afford? And for me, I know for a better part of a couple of years, I couldn't even afford to buy the books. So I would go into the bookstore after I was done with my classes and in university take the books off the shelf, read as many pages as I could, remember the page number, put the book back on the shelf, and I would come back the next night. It didn't cost me anything. I'm not sure that the people at the Barnes & Noble I was doing that were super thrilled. But nobody <laughs> nobody said anything, right? And uh, If anything, and even, you have to admire it. If you're a lover of books and you see some guy popping in every day to read the next couple of pages, you kind of <laughs> yeah. got to sit back and admire that guy, really. Yeah, you're like, what's up with this guy? Oh, maybe he's broke. I was broke. And and there was no there was no shame in it. It was just like it was a state of, it was my circumstances at the time. But I know without question, reading books is what opened numerous doors to me. Doors about ideas, doors about mindset, doors about possibility, all these different things. 
And, you know, that's why for people who are like, oh, I don't know what to do, you know, and I can't afford a mentor and I can't do all this other stuff. Like we just had, you know, JLD on the show here who's interviewed thousands and thousands of people on his show. And he's taken that and he's distilled that into one book. Like, why wouldn't you pick that book up yeah. and read it? I, well, I'm going to read it. Right. Definitely. Just just to see, all right, well, what, what maybe is a new distinction here? What's something else that, that I haven't considered something definitely. that I, I haven't heard for a while, but I need to hear again. Right. For sure. And even you just said about podcasts, like, like even this show, we've had some incredible guests on and we're not the only, we're, I mean, we are the best, but we're not the only podcast. You know, <laughs> That's so right. Like, there is so much resource available to every single one of us, you know, and it's, it's, I think you've highlighted a great thing in terms of like sharing what you used to do is like, what are you willing to do? Like stop looking at the problem and start seeking the solution. Like, Amen. Amen. Out there. Yeah, that's it. It's like there, there are certain people who have an excuse for every solution that you bring to them. <laughs> yes. And I, I call those people solution Teflon, right? Cause it's <laughs> like the Teflon pan, like nothing sticks to it. And you're like, here's a solution. Nope. Not going to work. Here's one not going to work. Here's one not going to work. You're just like, dude, maybe you don't want a solution. Right. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever considered that you don't want to fix this problem? <laughs> yeah. Maybe you don't care about fixing the problem. <laughs> maybe you're happy with the problem. Maybe the problem feels comfortable to you, right? Like, you know, I thought his answer about, you know, why do people give up, you know, avoiding pain mm. or seeking pleasure or conserving energy you know, I think a lot of times people don't get what they want simply because they're trying to conserve energy. I'm like, what are you conserving it for? <laughs> yes, it's true. Very like, what, true. Like, what are you going to do with all the energy that you've conserved? It doesn't like, it doesn't accumulate somewhere and then you could just like spend all your energy all at once. You know, it's yeah. like, all right, well, I have a certain amount of energy and then, you know, it's gone and then it replenishes hopefully and then it comes, you know, and then it's gone again. But like, there, there's so many people who are like, oh, that sounds like hard work. I'm like, what are, what are you doing otherwise? <laughs> right. What on yeah. God's green earth are you conserving all of your energy for? Yeah, so true. I always like the, uh, I don't know who, who it's from or whatever, but I always like the quote <clears throat> that, uh, you know, you've survived 100% of your bad days so far. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's pretty good odds that you'll get through this one. <laughs> it is, it is, it is good odds. And, and at least, you know, if you can, if you expend all your energy in pursuit of something that's important to you, you might be dog tired, but you're going to feel good about yourself. Yeah. You Definitely. know, nobody feels good when they've conserved all their energy and they didn't accomplish anything that's important to them. <laughs> so true. In fact, I feel pretty, pretty frustrated if I've got too much energy and nothing to do with it. I'm like, I'm yeah, not going to sleep. I need to. I need to work hard and burn this stuff. <laughs> well, I need to like. I need to commit to something. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. 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 Well, interesting. I, I, I'm genuinely, uh, genuinely interested actually to read the book. Like we say, I, I didn't. Uh, I didn't. I haven't read the book, obviously, clearly before he comes on and. Uh, interesting concept that there's like 17 steps to uh you know to that and so i mean i mean i'm intrigued you think he shared just enough with us to uh to pique the interest into what are the others gave us a teaser i would bet though maybe it's like chapter 9 10 11 i don't know where it is but buying an artificial jellyfish tank has got to be in there yeah has to be has to be 
Yeah. You know, and now forever when he's on his show and people say, what is that on the table behind you? They're going to, oh, that, that, that's an artificial jellyfish. I uh, was on a show called Just the Tips and uh, had to pick one of those bad boys up. Would you consider yourself an artificial jellyfish farmer? <laughs> I think now I am. Now it appears I'm being forced down this path, doesn't it? Yeah, I feel it like does. Maybe my calling. I feel like this. I feel like you know he talked about you know number one thing is like your big idea. I feel like your big idea is somewhere in the artificial jellyfish farming industry. Well, sometimes you find your big idea, and uh, other times your big <laughs> idea finds you. <laughs> That's amazing. All right. Well, I think that's a great place for us to wrap the show up here. Um, oh my God. That's funny. Artificial jellyfish farmer. I feel like, I feel like you need that on a business card. Dean Holland, artificial jellyfish farmer. Like how many people would be like, what on earth is that? Absolutely. I, I think, um, I think they would sell well. I'm actually going to start considering this now. This is my problem. I think this could be a new e-com play for you. <laughs> Absolutely. I a knew it of... eventually. I've got a thousand of these at home in my spare bedroom. I've been waiting for this moment all my life. <laughs> and here we are. Today, August 17th, is the day. It's your breakthrough day. <laughs> this is it. This is it. Well, uh, yeah, anyway, we better wrap up. But it's, uh, yeah, been a good show. It seems to have gone really fast. I it did go an hour has passed us by, but yeah, good show. Great. Absolutely. Show. Well, thank you guys. Uh, thank you to all your list, all of our listeners, your listeners and my listeners. Yes, indeed. Uh, for, for being here with us today. We appreciate you guys. Make sure you go out and check out John Lee Dumas's new book, common path, to uncommon success, a roadmap to financial freedom and fulfillment. Absolutely packed full of wisdom. We will talk with you guys next week. This is James P. Friel signing off with my esteemed artificial jellyfish farming co-host, Mr. Dean Holland. We will talk with you guys next time. See you, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to Just the Tips, where we believe business should be profitable and fun. For show notes, links, and other information on our guests, visit justthetipsshow.com. For more information on how to connect with Dean Holland, visit deanholland.com. And if you'd like to go from being a hustling entrepreneur to an effective CEO, capable of running your company without being stuck in the day-to-day, visit me for free training and resources at jamespfreel.com. Our theme music is Happy Happy Game Show by Kevin McLeod. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 License.